Hello and welcome to this week's journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Adelina Chobano, and in today's episode we'll hear from NPR and the Washington Post about their coverage plans for Election Day, as US citizens are electing their 45th president on the 8th of November. The US elections have been at the forefront of political coverage for the past 18 months and media organizations have been under a lot of pressure to report fairly and equally on both candidates, fact-check their statements and ensure voters are well informed and prepared as they go to the polls. As they're heading down the home stretch of the elections, news organizations are pulling out all the stops across all platforms. The Washington Post, the New York Times and the Financial Times are dropping their paywalls for a limited amount of time, BuzzFeed is live-streaming an election special on Twitter, CNN is using messaging app Kick to reach younger audiences, the Guardian Mobile Innovation Lab is targeting the smartphone lock screen with real-time push notifications, and more than 1,000 reporters and student journalists are tracking voting issues as part of the election land initiative, and this is to name just a few. Live streaming is naturally a big part of how the voting process and result announcements will unfold on social media. NPR, which has used Facebook Live to cover the conventions and the presidential debates in the US before, took this opportunity to try out a new interactive format on the platform in the shape of a live art installation, said Amita Kelly, digital editor and producer on NPR's Washington desk. So we've been experimenting with Facebook Live for a while now, actually since I think the first primary. What we've done each night, each primary night and the conventions and the debates has kind of evolved over time. And our thinking for this time was rather than have kind of a very fast analysis or quick preview, which we'll have some of that as well, have our analysts and reporters on before the night really takes off. We wanted to do something a little bit slower so that viewers could kind of tune in whenever was good for them and know what was going on and something that still brought the news, but was kind of longer term. So we've been calling it kind of our slow TV, and maybe the analogy is is there are some television channels that during Christmas time will have like a Yule log burning or something like that. It'll be a little bit more obviously newsy than that, but the idea was just to give people something interesting to watch that they didn't necessarily have to watch the entire, you know, several hours of the night, but they could come in and they could watch something interesting and still learn what was going on. So basically, it'll be a map of the country that will be filled in as the results are called, and the states will just get painted red or blue to indicate who won that state. And then in between, you'll be able to hear the special broadcast that's also being broadcast on the radio. And then we'll have some of our analysts and reporters coming through to explain the results periodically and maybe some other surprises. Arnie Seipel, deputy political editor at NPR, explained how the organization's approach was shaped differently this time to think about the multiple elements that need to be covered beyond just the results in each state and getting reporters out in the field to focus on voters' reactions across the country. I would say that we have, I think, a much more nimble system than we've had in the past. And we've basically just, we've looked at the different elements of the story that we're going to be covering on election night. The biggest thing, obviously, being the calls and, you know, communicating out on all of our platforms, who's won which states, which Senate races have gone different ways. We're also going to have a team looking at voting issues, voting irregularities, any any issues that are happening out in the country. We'll have another team looking at exit polls and demographics. 
we'll have our teams with the campaigns and we'll have our reporters out across the country and we'll also, you know, have folks feeding our newscast and and all of those groups of people sort of have tentacles out to each of our platforms. And so we'll be rotating our reporters and analysts through our radio studio for our big radio broadcast that's going out. And they'll be filing for our website and our live blog that's going to be going on. And they're going to be filing for our newscast. And they'll pop over and join you know, Facebook Live. If people on Facebook Live have questions that fit a particular coverage area, you know, we have a way to dispatch people from each of those teams. And so the way we're organized is definitely what we call in the building and what others call story first. And we figure out what is the important news, what is the important wrinkle of the story. And then from there, we have groups to dip into, to deploy, to get the news on all these different platforms so that we can be fast and deep and make sure that we're getting things right and getting them out in the clearest way possible. And I would say, you know, one of the biggest changes that we made is in the past, we used to send reporters and producers out to maybe 15 or 20 different sites to cover 15 or 20 different Senate races. And so they would be in hotel ballrooms where we'd be waiting for a candidate to come make an acceptance speech, you know, at any possible Senate race across the country that there might be some interest in. And we've just, we found that what our stronger preference is for people going out in the field is to really be with voters. You know, candidate speeches, we have any number of ways of broadcasting and getting reactions. Um, and we'll call newsmakers, we'll call people who are winning Senate races. You know, we may call their strategists and the people who are working in politics in various states. But if we're going to send our reporting power out, we've decided that we should deploy it strategically across the country to get to voters. And so we'll be looking at states from New Hampshire to Pennsylvania to South Carolina and Arizona and California and using our member stations to do that. So in some ways, we've refocused inside the newsroom in a very different way to attack the different political elements of the story. And then outside the newsroom, we're very much taking an approach of looking at voters across the country in, in a much more focused way. This election coverage will be one of NPR's largest coordinated efforts with hundreds of correspondents from its member stations. A core team of journalists on the NPR politics team in Washington will aim to highlight their local reporting by putting it into the national context. So there's going to be a team of four people at NPR headquarters through the day and into the night, and they'll be monitoring social media themselves, and they also will be bringing in reports from our member stations or hundreds of member stations across the country. And I think we want to be a lot, very judicious about the reporting on that front, because even in the days before the election, we've seen lots of false alarms about things happening. I mean, certainly there have been real concerns out there, and there are real concerns in, in many different aspects. But through social media and through those things, we are aware that we need to be very judicious. And so that's why we have a core team of people at headquarters. When they hear a tip, you know, there's always people at the ready to make calls and to send out for more information and, and make sure we're really locking down what we're getting on. But again, just like with all of our other coverage areas, that team will be poised to make sure that on social media, on broadcast, and on Facebook Live and on our website that we're, we're getting things out instantaneously. I'm really excited to see how this works with, with our core team at headquarters bringing in reports from our member stations across the country. I think, I think it'll be a really exciting way to see how we're incorporating the journalism from the local level and bringing it national and able to draw all of those threads together from different parts of the country and, and put the broader context on it. The focus for us is the kind of putting a national context or some analysis to what we're hearing and to what member stations are telling us, because I think especially in social media, like there may be reports that are 
kind of one-off, there's long lines somewhere, or there's reports of different things, and to be able to add some context and be careful about what we're reporting and what we know and what we can try to find out is very important to us. After a successful run for the Olympic Games in August, the Washington Post will roll out automated coverage again to take on the elections. With its in-house system called Heliograph, the Post will make use of artificial intelligence to produce short stories on almost 500 races across the country, almost instantly based on associated press updates. The articles will then be automatically included in the online live blog, explained Joey Marburger, director of product at the Washington Post. So basically we can write a story about every single race as they occur and automatically post them into uh, our site, mainly into our, our live blog. And it'll be writing stories for a lot of races that we probably wouldn't write about normally. So maybe some smaller, you know, representative races in Idaho or something. And then when it's a more significant story, even if it's been initially automatically generated, then we can always uh, pull it up like it's an actual human reporter or editor, and continue to build off of it, which we did a little bit with Olympics as well. The organization has also developed Feels, a Facebook Messenger bot designed to capture and monitor people's feelings in the last three weeks before the vote. While news bots are something most outlets have experimented with to some extent, the post says readers have been using it regularly because it has the right mix of automation and human touch. After learning around Olympics and our other bots we've experimented with, one of my product managers, Joe Price, came to me and was like, you know, I just don't think it's really working. And I've got an idea around the election that is based on emotion. And we just ask people how they're feeling about the election. It's a simple question, but we push it to you. So it's kind of unprompted and thought that that would be like a fun experiment. And, you know, the election is obviously important and top of people's minds. But as soon as we in- injected kind of that emotional aspect, People really wanted to share it, and we simplified that by using, you have like five emoji options. And then you can elaborate on how you feel, and then we recap all of that for you and send it back to you. A person actually moderates that, so we pick a really good one. And that's why we're seeing just such great engagement with it as a bot, because it has that right mix of being a bot, but also human editing, the real human touch to it. And it's a simple question. And we preface it with a little bit of news. We kind of give you a quick update right before we ask you how you're feeling. And that also, that also still like gets our news in front of people, which then people are more likely to read. And that's been, that's been great for us. So we feel like we've, now we've kind of figured out maybe the right recipe for bots for news. So we'll plan to really elaborate on that. It's been performing really well. People are highly engaged with it. Of everyone who's interacted with it ever, 85% of them use it every day or almost every day. So definitely it'll be there on election day. And then when the election's over, we're actually going to aggregate all that data, all those responses, and do like some data visualizations and graphics around it to kind of recapture those, uh, the feelings that people had in the last you know, few weeks up to the election and show like more of a big picture story around it. But then after election's over, we'll pause it and we'll start thinking about how we can use a little bit more. I think we might ask like right after the election, depending on kind of what happens, like one kind of last reaction of like, how do you feel now that it's like that it's over in a, in a roundabout way. How will you be following the election results today? Let us know on Twitter at Journalism News. And thanks for listening to the journalism.co.uk podcast.